today. But I think the importance is not to ignore either, not to ignore the bad or to lift up only the good. I think when you look at the Bible, it's important to work through all passages with curiosity and with an informed perspective. I think ultimately the Bible should help us get closer to God, help us get closer to an understanding of God, uh, a belief in how God is working in the world, and a reminder that we are all, all of us, going to interpret Scripture differently. That's because of who we are, how we've been raised, what we've experienced in life. There's nothing wrong with that. But, if our interpretation of Scripture leads us to put a weapon in a person's hand, or justify murder or abuse, then we are doing it wrong. So we have to make sure that we continue to examine Scripture, and we examine Scripture in our own lives, in a way that is graceful, in a way that gets us closer to God, and in a way that challenges us and forces us to ask our pastor questions, like, why is this in there? Why is that in there? Because I will gladly have that conversation with you. I do hope and pray that today, as my sermon does examine Scripture, it does move you closer to God um, as we look to see what God's Word says in its context and for us today. Has anyone ever been to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania? Done the Civil War stuff? Yep. I lived there for a year during my mother's time in seminary. And while walking around the town, I would often get asked by passing tourists, where is the battlefield? This question always made me chuckle. For those of you who are not historians, Gettysburg was the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. It was fought over, over the course of three days and cost 46,000 lives. Now I realize that most of us are not military strategists, but to suggest that thousands of people met three days in a row over the same small patch of grass and duked it out just does not make any sense. Gettysburg is a sprawling town, and all across it you will find sites where battles were fought, like Seminary Ridge, Oak Ridge, Cemetery Hill, Little Round Top, Big Round Top, etc. There is no one single battlefield. It would take days to explore everything. Similar to this, People who find out that I'm a pastor often ask me, what does the Bible say? Well, actually, it says a lot of things. It says some good things. It says some not so good things. Now, in a conversation with someone who I don't know very well, I try to dwell on the good. But personally, I'm not one for Lilly-Livered statements that take away from the dark corners of the Bible. Now, I could pump anyone up on a steady diet of the loving, sunny, happy God, but that's not what's always in Scripture. I don't think these corners should be ignored, for not only do they help, do they help us to give a full portrait of God, but also of the human condition that Christ came to redeem. If we ignore the ugliness, or if we write it off as extremism, we do ourselves a disservice. Now, all of that being said, if there is one recurring theme in Scripture, one thread that runs through everything, 
It's that God loves you very much. Through the darkness and the despair, the one constant in the Bible is God's love for God's people. It certainly manifests itself differently from book to book, and I think that could be a good thing. We understand God in many and various ways, and the writers of Scripture were no exception. But all of them, with their own God-inspired voice, try to point the reader to the love of God, a love that moves mountains and breaks boundaries for each and every one of us, a love that, as Bailey learned today, forgives us and also calls us to forgive. It calls us to a love that we are eager to share. That's what the Bible says, and that theme is echoed in all three scripture texts today. It begins with a numbers word that is not the most uplifting. As I said, I am not one to shy away from difficult texts, and this is a difficult one. God sends poisonous serpents to kill people for their unfaithfulness. I'm not the type of person to believe these people deserve their punishment. After all, I sin too. I have bouts of unfaithfulness. I'd like to think God would not send a poisoned serpent to chase me through my house the next time I'm unfaithful. But I don't believe that this story is one of crime and punishment as much as it is one of rebirth. The Israelites had forgotten the God who had delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. A repetitious cycle of faithlessness, repentance, and new covenants comes all the time out of the Hebrew Scriptures, and this is one of those times. God uses the serpent, the unlikeliest of all animals, to heal the people. After punishment and death comes new life, and the serpent on the staff is an image that should be familiar to you if you've ever seen the medical symbol the wings and the serpent on the staff, that's where this comes from. Punishment, death, and then new life. And this happens because God loves us very much. Say it with me. God, God loves, loves us very much. Now we all fight through bouts of faithlessness and despair. As Lent reminds us, we will endure a personal wilderness at some point. And yet God's love is there for us. The writer of John's Gospel compares God lifting up the serpent in the desert to the lifting up of Jesus to be among the people. The theme of death and new life through the serpent is called back by the Son of God. Of course, this text from John contains the famed 316 verse, and it is a good verse. I can understand why it's a favorite of so many. But I myself am partial to his successor, verse 3, verse 17. Indeed, God did not send God's Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It takes the narrative of the poisoned snakes and turns it on its head. God knows that we are not perfect people, and that following repentance, grace is given. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have that grace because God does not condemn the world, and because God loves us very much. God loves us very much. And the theme of grace is picked up on in Ephesians today. 
Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. Death is brought up again as we do die in our trespasses, but we are made new through Jesus Christ. And what I love about it, like a good Lutheran, is that there is nothing we can do to earn it. We do not boast about our good works. Instead, we give glory to God for the good that has been done. We cannot do anything to merit God's forgiveness, and we cannot do anything to merit eternal life. These things are given to us because of grace, and they are given to us because God, God loves us very much. See the theme here? And like all of these texts that have different backgrounds and contexts, and only one of them references another. But even through these differences, even through these backgrounds, even through Hebrew scriptures and New Testament and Jesus' resurrection and Paul coming after that, through all of this, God's love shines. Reading the Bible can be a frustrating endeavor. Yet if you go into it with the support of your faith community and the knowledge that God loves you very much, you will see the Word of God open to you day by day in ways you never dreamed possible. Christ gives us the grace to get closer to God on our walk. And as we get close to God, we learn so many things. But there is one recurring theme and one thing you should never forget, and that is... God loves us very much. To that I can only say, Amen. Please rise to your aid.